Anybody seen that movie? That's, that's a cool movie. If you, ha- if you haven't seen it, uh, I think it's like five bucks at Lifeway or whatever. But I watched that a few weeks ago. We watched it, and it, all, it deals with the, with the subject of forgiveness. And uh, right after that movie, three or four people, maybe five, that I had an opportunity to come in contact with were really struggling with this uh, in the area of forgiveness. And so I thought that this morning that we would look together into God's Word as God's laid that on my heart to talk just a little bit uh, about forgiveness. We, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you it all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you it all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the word that we read today. Thank you for the lesson that Jesus taught. Thank you for the story that he told. Lord, may we learn from it some 2,000 years later. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it was just a little dog. Uh, The lady barely felt the bite, barely broke the skin. She didn't think anything of it. But a few weeks went by and she began to notice some strange symptoms. And so she went to the doctor and they ran some tests and the doctor came in with a very, very serious look on his face. And he said, ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, you have hydrophobia, rabies. And it's very serious. In fact, there's absolutely nothing that we can do. And I would suggest, if you don't have one, that you make out a will. And he gave her a blank sheet of paper and a pen and left the room. She sat there in stunned silence. Couldn't believe what she had just heard. Then after a few moments, she began to write. She began to write faster. 
until she completely filled up one page, turned it over, and completely filled up the back when the doctor came back in. And she said, Doc, do you have any more paper? And she said, he said, well, yes, but my goodness, ma'am, you must have a lot of money. That's a really a long will. And she said, well, this is not a will. This is a list of the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> do you have a bite list? Maybe you don't actually have it written down in ink. Maybe you don't carry it around with you. But there are those people that if you had the opportunity, if the circumstances presented themselves, if you knew that no one would ever find out and there would be absolutely no consequences, you would get them if you could. On one occasion, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus thought it, Peter thought he was being pretty generous. And Jesus said, no, Peter, not until 70 times seven. And then he told a story. Now, many of you have heard me speak a lot about my grandfather. And I guess the reason I'm speaking so much about him lately is because I miss him. He went home to be with the Lord this past year. And uh, I guess until I was 18, 19 years old, I saw my granddaddy every day of my life. Other than my mom and dad, I spent more time with him than anybody else. And my grandfather, he only went to the third grade, so he, he couldn't read. In fact, my grandfather was not a Christian. He and my grandmother didn't become Christians until they were 83 years old. I baptized both of them when they were 85, about a year before my grandmother died and about five years before my granddaddy died. But so they didn't become Christians till late in life. But my granddaddy, even though he couldn't read, he could tell tremendous stories. Everybody loves stories, don't they? That, that's why Jesus told so many stories. In Jesus' day, at least 95% of the people couldn't read or write. They didn't have a Bible that they could look, books that they could read. And so Jesus would just tell stories. He would take common everyday events and tell a story. And so that's exactly what he began to do on this day. Some of my favorite memories are sitting on my grandfather's porch in the swing listening to him tell stories. Again, by the time I was eight or nine, I figured out that all of these stories couldn't be true because Granddaddy won every fight, every race. He was the hero in every story. So after a while, it began, hey, Granddaddy's making some of this up. But he told stories. And so Jesus, in response to Peter's question and his answer, he told a story. He said, Peter, let me tell you a story. A story about a man who owed an enormous debt, 10,000 talents. Now, it doesn't really do us any good to try to determine how much money that would be, okay, as far as in today's dollars. I mean, we don't know what today's dollar's worth in today's dollars, right? I mean, it, it's hard for us to look back and say, how much would 10,000 talents be? The point is, it was an enormous debt, okay, about like our national debt. It was a huge, huge debt, and one that could never, ever be repaid. But it came time to repay it, and so he, he went before the king, and, and the king said, okay, time to pay up. And he said, oh, master, I don't have the money. Give me a little more time. He couldn't have paid it if he had two more lifetimes. But the king said, okay, because you've asked for mercy, I'm going to show you mercy, I'm going to show you grace, and I'm going to forgive the debt completely. 
even though it's 10,000 talents. The same man left. He walked outside, going down the street, and the story goes, no sooner had he got off the courthouse steps than he ran into a buddy of his that he had loaned a hundred denarii. Now, denarius was about, uh, we'd say it was about minimum wage for a day's labor. What a laborer got for working a day, he'd get a denarius. A soldier in the Roman army, he would be paid a denarius. It was about what it took to, to buy food for a family for a day. And this man owed him a hundred denarii. And he said, hey man, it's time to pay that hundred bucks that you owe me. And he did the same thing that this gentleman had done. He said, I don't have it. Give me more time. I promise I'll pay. And he said, no, you had enough time. And he had him and his family, which was common in that day, thrown into prison until the debt would be paid. Well, word got back to the king. The king called him in. He said, man, I can't believe it. I have just forgiven you 10,000 talents, and yet you would not forgive your brother a small sum of money. Now, as people listen to this story, the obvious the king in the story is God. And the, and, and the man with, that owed such enormous debt, that's you and me because we owe, all owe to sin debt that we can never repay. We can never come to church enough. We can never be baptized enough. We can never give enough offerings. We could never pay off that debt. Jesus had to come and die on the cross and shed the blood, his blood so that our, our sin could be paid for. But that same man that had been forgiven so much when a brother owed him something, he wasn't willing to forgive. What was the point Jesus was trying to make? It's obvious that we need to learn how to forgive. Now, we used to go to school to learn the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Well, I want to share with you today five R's of forgiveness that I believe we, we see right here in this passage of Scripture. The first one is we've got to recognize the need for forgiveness. Now, now we need to be forgiven. We'd all agree with that, right? We want people to forgive us. Okay? We know we're not perfect. When we do something, else, we want to be forgiven. We, we need to be, be forgiven by God, first of all. Because as we all know, we, we have a sin debt. We know that we need God's forgiveness. We know the Scripture teaches that we need to be forgiven by our fellow man. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, even when you come to church, when you come to the altar to present your gift to God and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go make it right with your brother, then come back and offer your gift to God. We, we need to be forgiven. We would agree with that. But not only do we need to be forgiven, but the Scripture also teaches us that we need to forgive others. The whole, that's the whole point of the, of the story. Remember when we learned what we call the Lord's Prayer? And, and Jesus taught us how to pray, Father, forgive us our trespasses, even as or in the same way, in the same manner, as we forgive our brother his trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. Think about what we're praying there. Lord, I want you to forgive me in the same way I forgive others. 
Wow, what if God did that? <laughs> what if God only forgived, uh, forgave us in the same way that we forgive others? What if he just forgave us of the little things but not the big things? What if he just forgave us of some things but not all things? What if he just forgave us of things that made a difference and not those that, that didn't or whatever? No, God's forgiveness is unlimited. We need to forgive. John Wesley, once on a mission trip from England to Georgia, ran into the governor of Georgia, John Oglethorpe, and John Oglethorpe said, Sir, I never forgive. And John Wesley said, Then, Sir, I hope you never sin. What does this passage teach us? It teaches us that if I expect the forgiveness of God, I have to accept the responsibility to forgive others. I need to be forgiven. And I need to forgive others. That's the whole point of the, of the story. We need to be forgiven. We need to recognize the need for forgiveness. You say, but it's hard. It's hard to forgive people who hurt us, who do things against us, right? It's hard to do. But not only do we recognize the need for forgiveness, but we need to remember what Christ has done for us. You see, when I think of all the things that God has forgiven me of, when I think of all my sins that are like scarlet that he's made white as snow, all of my sin that they were like crimson, he made them white as wool, all of my sins that he moved as far as the east is from the west, all of my sin that totally covered under the blood, when I think of all of the sin that God's forgiven me of, shouldn't it make it a little bit easier for me to forgive somebody who says something bad about me? Who is rude to me? Who cuts me off in traffic? Who backstabs me at work? Who says things about me? When I remember all that God has forgiven me of. You see, we must recognize the need for forgiveness. That's the first R. But the second one is, remember what Christ has done for you. You see, that's, that's the whole point of the parable. Because remember, how much did the man owe to the king? 10,000 talents. And the man owed him 100 denarii. Let's just get a little bit of an idea of the difference in money that we're talking about here. One talent, and he owed 10,000. One talent is equal to 6,000 denarii in the day. So if we were to make a denarii a dollar, okay, just for the, you know, just for those of us who are a little bit slow in math, let's make a denarii a dollar, okay? So the guy was owed $100 that he wasn't willing to forgive the debt. But he owed $60 million. Now I would like to think that if someone had just written off a $60 million debt of mine. I'd like to see the person foolish enough to loan me $60 million, all right? But if they had just written off a $60 million debt of mine, I would like to think, Steve, if you owed me $100, i would say, hey man, don't worry about it. In fact, I hope I'd be in such a good mood. Here's another 20. Just go out and have lunch on me, all right? Because I just got forgave $60 million, but that's not what the man did, was it? He was happy to let somebody forgive his $60 million. 
But then he wasn't even willing to write off $100. And when the king heard about it, he brought him in and had him delivered to the torturers. Well, then notice verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Even Peter, he thought he was being pretty spiritual. Very forgiving. He said, Lord... How many times should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, Peter probably thought Jesus was going to pat him on the back and say, come up here, Peter. I'm going to use you as an example to the other disciples of how spiritual, how merciful, how graceful, how much you've grown in your walk since the time that you walked with me. He probably thought Jesus was going to hold him up as a model. And Jesus, like Peter, you still don't get it. It's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't saying 490, keep track, 491, boom. You can let them have it. Okay? That wasn't the point, was it? The point is, just as God's forgiveness is unlimited, our forgiveness of others must be unlimited. If we expect God to show grace to us, then we must be willing to show grace to others. If we expect God to show mercy to us, then we must be willing to show mercy to others. We must recognize the need for forgiveness. We must remember what Christ has done for us. But here's the hard one. We must resist the urge to retaliate. Because that's our first instinct, isn't it? I mean, you do something to me, I'm going to get you back. I mean, isn't that the way we think? That's our first instinct. You get in my face, I'm going to get in your face. You hit me, boom, I'm going to hit you. You hit me with a stick, I'm going to hit you back with a bigger stick. I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to fight fire with fire. I'm going to get revenge. What's the problem with always trying to get revenge? Never works, does it? It may feel good for a moment, but it always costs you. In football, who's the one that always has the flag thrown? Not the person who hit the first time, the person who retaliated. That's the one that always gets caught, right? Only instant replay gets the first push. And it's the same in life. When we're hit, if we hit back, it doesn't work. Now some of us are too sophisticated for that. We don't fight fire with fire. We don't get mad. We get even, right? Oh, yeah. There'll come a day. You'll need me. You'll need my help. You'll need something. And we almost take pleasure in just picturing it how it's going to be. 
When somebody needs our help and we're not going to give it to them. Or we're going to get our, oh, promotion, I'm the boss now. Or you're driving by in the rainstorm and, and they have a flat tire. You just blow the horn and wave and keep on driving, right? We don't get mad. We get even. Remember the story of the fellow who was looking for a new car? He looks in the paper on Sunday morning and the one ads, or excuse me, in the classified ads, like new Jaguar, $500. He couldn't believe it. He knew it was a misprint. Nobody can get a like new Jaguar for $500. But he couldn't resist. He picks up the phone and he calls. Lady answered on the other phone, said, yes, it is. It's like new. Yes, I only want $500. He jumps in his car. He runs over there. He gets there. There in the driveway, a like new Jaguar with a for sale sign on it. He looks at it, cranks it up, drives it. It's perfect, immaculate condition. And he asks the lady, you only want $500? She said, $500. He said, will you take a check? She said, sure. And so he's writing out the check. And while he's writing out the check, he said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but are you sure? This is a $50,000 automobile. Are you sure you want to sell it to me for $500? I just feel bad about it. She said, oh, no, don't, don't worry about it at all. You see, the car belongs to my husband. And he ran off to Hawaii with his secretary. And he called and told me to sell the Jaguar and send him the money. And that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> she was getting even, right? But some of us were even more sophisticated than that. We just, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. They sit on their side of the church. I sit on my side of the church. They sit at their table at the family reunion. I sit at my table at the family reunion. They sleep in their end of the house. I sleep in my end of the house. They work in their side of the office. I work in my side of the office. Just not going to have anything, pass and repass, but I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Sort of like the lady who'd never been married planning her funeral, remember her? And she said to the funeral planner, she said, you know, one thing I want is all women pallbearers. And the funeral director said, well, it's your funeral if that's what you want, but would you mind you asking why you want all women pallbearers? She said, men wouldn't take me out while I'm alive. I ain't going to tell them to take them out when I'm dead. <laughs> Having those feelings... That they won't let go. That we want to retaliate. It never works. My son and I had this conversation just this week. Retaliation never works. You're always the one that gets hurt. Let me tell you something my granddaddy did teach me. Never wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty and the pig likes it. <laughs> Why do you want to retaliate? You're doing exactly what they want, and you're not any better for it. You're worse off. Resist the urge to retaliate. Instead, why don't we do what Scripture says and repay evil with good? Repay evil with good. 
In, in, in Romans chapter 12, you might want to mark that or turn there. Romans chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Paul writing to the church at Rome, Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Where did Paul get that? Duh. Jesus. It's right out of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse, verse 44, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Repay evil with good. Pray for them. Love them. A sergeant major in the British Army was giving his testimony and someone asked him about how he came to know Christ and he said, well, I, did, I didn't know the Lord when I first entered the army. He said, in fact, I was one of those guys who made fun of Christians, but, but there was a new guy sent into our unit and that night before we went to bed, that, that new guy in our unit, he knelt down beside his bed and began to pray. And he said, we all started yelling at him, laughing at him, making fun of him. And so I picked up one of my boots and I threw it and hit him on the shoulder. He kept on praying. I picked up my other boot and threw it and hit him right in the head. And about that time, the corporal came in and quieted us down and cut out the lights and we went to bed. But he said, you know what happened when I got up the next morning? There were my boots, freshly polished, sitting under my bunk. And I went to that young man and I said, how in the world could you do something like that after the way I treated you? And he said, because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm able to do that for you. Repay evil with good. Now gang, that's, it's one thing to preach that. <laughs> it's another thing to do it, right? You see, the only way we can do it is to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the fifth R. What's the line from the Shakespearean play? To err is human, to forgive is divine. You see, forgiveness is not something we can do on our own. It's not something we can do by ourselves. It's only something that we can do because Jesus lives in us. And greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. I remember going to seminary, and they make you take a psychological test. You know, they want to find out if you're crazy or not before they turn you loose on churches. And, you know, some, some folks like me make it through anyway, but others of them, you know, they, they give you this test, and then you got to go in and talk about it with the counselor. And uh, went in to sit down with a counselor, and he said, uh, you had a pretty good childhood, didn't you? And I said, yeah, pretty, pretty good. I got great parents, lived in a small town all my life, knew everybody. It was good. you never really been hurt, have you? And I said, well, no, sir, not really, not to amount to anything. Uh, you, you, you really trust people, don't you? He's trying to tell me how naive I was. 
And I said, well, I, generally I do. I, I think, you know, you give people the benefit of the doubt until they prove themselves otherwise. And he said, well, you are trusting. In fact, and he showed me the scale there. He said, you max out the trusting scale. He said, I'm just here to tell you that, hey, there's a lot of people in the world you can't trust. You, don't, you can't trust everybody. Every place is not like where you grew up. But, you know, I, I thought of that, and it really was true. I've been blessed. I had a good childhood and had a good life. You know, in fact, I was 39 years old. Before I was ever really seriously wounded. Where someone did something to me that I would consider bad. And for the first time, I had to learn to forgive. Now, I didn't think it would be very hard because by that time, I'd been preaching on forgiveness for 20 years. But now I had to do it. And it was hard. And I struggled. Until finally, the Lord got through to me that, hey, it's not about you and you doing it. It's about me. And me doing it through you. Jesus said, pray, love. You see, to, when we forgive, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to swallow our pride. What does the scripture say? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, as long as we're caught up in our pride and say, well, I didn't do anything. I was right. They're wrong. If anybody's going to apologize, it's going to be them. Because I didn't do anything. What did Paul write to the Corinthians? Those of you who are spiritual, you've got to take the first step. It's, about, it's not whether or not they deserve forgiveness. Because you didn't deserve it either, did you? It's a matter of having the responsibility to forgive. We must swallow our pride so that God can give us grace. And then we can find the grace to forgive. Some people are hung up by saying, well, I've got every right to feel the way I do. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come to claim his rights, but to take our wrongs? You say, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to deal with. I don't. But Jesus does. And he died for it. He came for it. He came to live within you. You see, forgiveness is something we only do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must recognize the need for forgiveness. We must remember what Christ has done for us. We must resist the urge to retaliate. We have to learn to repay evil with good and then rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus taught us how to forgive, didn't he? Can't you just see him there on the cross? 
nails in his hand, nails in his feet, crown of thorns on his head, the beating that he took, the insults that he heard, the humili humiliation that they heaped on him. But hanging on that cross, he saw me. And he saw you. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. If Jesus can forgive me, I can forgive you. If Jesus can forgive me of all the many sins that I've committed, I can forgive you of anything you might do or say toward me. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is and what he did for us on the cross. You see, as I thought about, we've got a new school year, new church year. It's time for newness, time to start over. But a lot of people can't start over. Because they're still holding on. They're still trying to hold on to guilt. They're still trying to hold on to grudges. They're still focused on things that happened in the past. And they're so caught up in the past. That they can't enjoy the present. And they can't look forward to the future that God has for them. You see maybe today. It's the day that you just let go of the past. You let God have it. And you move on today by choosing to forgive. Would you bow your head just a moment? Bow your head and close your eyes. You see, when you carry around guilt and grudges, you're only hurting yourself. 